As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome back to Power Hour, a weekly show hosted by me, Nicole Auerbach. I am joined today, as always, by the Athletic Senior Writer, Chris Vanini. Chris, hello. Nicole, good to be here. I you know I kind of took a break off of last week's episode, even though we were together in person. It was a kind of a whole thing. It's been a weird month for us, bouncing all over the country. But we're back to our normal recording time slot here, and we have a heck of a lot to talk about. We do. We were having our athletic staff summit last week as, you know, listeners on this feed know and saw lots of different pairings as Andy and Ari recorded a bunch of shows. Um, I was able to catch up with Manny Navarro about the ACC meetings last week, um, which we will dive into on this show as well. As a reminder, be sure to subscribe, rate and review us on the Andy Staples show and friends feed. As you can see, Andy and Ari always have something cooking sometimes literally cooking. So you'll want to stay tuned throughout this off season on today's episode of power hour. We'll break down everything you need to know in college football in an hour or less. So Chris, let's dive in as we always do with the power five in true power hour fashion. We give ourselves about a minute loosely to cover one of the hottest topics in college football before the buzzer sounds. And it's time to move on to the next. I will start with number one. Uh, we got to get into the ACC. What is the latest coming out of ACC spring meetings? The money quote from Jim Phillips, the commissioner was what I've been told by his presidents and athletic directors is that we're all in this together emphatically. Um, we have seen some of the administrators who were in the group of seven schools that have looked at the grant of rights, explored, you know, kind of their options and athletic directors from schools that are not in that grouping talk about what unfolded last week. And Dan Radakovich from Miami spoke to the Miami Herald this week. He said that he expects and approves of an unequal ACC revenue distribution model. He said the presidents have a committee they're working through. I think there's a lot of unanimity amongst the athletic directors. That's a, some type of success initiatives. Success distribution should occur um, and then he also spoke about Florida State, Clemson, North Carolina, Miami as schools that move the brand awareness for the ACC forward 
over time and for different reasons. You could throw Duke in there for basketball reasons, whatever the basketball number is akin to these days. And he was asked specifically if Miami would be interested if they got an invite from the Big Ten or the SEC, and he said he would not comment on that. So you're having people come out of these meetings saying – I think the right things, but they're also being pretty honest about the hard conversations that were had in about feeling that they might individually bring more value than others. But coming out of it, we're still in the same place that we were a month ago, six months ago, the day after OU Texas is, you know, there's this long-term media deal that goes through 2036. There is a grant of rights that goes through 2036. And although lawyers have been looking at all of these things, no one has actually challenged it yet. So we do not know if anyone will be able to get out of the ACC before 2036. That feels like a really long time from now. It's 13 years from now. But we're still in that same place until someone actually challenges it. Yeah, we'll get into the ACC a bit more in the On the Rock segment, just relative to what you know some of these people said late, late last week, early this week. I think we all understand to not put any stock into anything a commissioner says about realignment in terms of possibly losing teams because they are more often than not uh, uh, proven wrong, whether that's Bob Bowlesby, whether that's George Klyavkov, whether that's somebody else. So Jim Phillips says they're in it together. They're in it together until they're not in it together. And I think Miami's saying, eh, we're not going to comment on if we get a Big Ten invite kind of assess it all. So, but can they get out of it? We'll talk about that later in the show. Number two, Michigan, again, finding itself in a bit of controversy or scandal, however you want to phrase it. Uh, Middle of last week, they hired Glenn Shemi Schembechler as an assistant director of recruiting. Almost immediately, people on Twitter, many of them Michigan fans, found a bunch of racist, transphobic, conspiracy likes on his twitter account like a lot going back a very long time there was a bit of an uproar and then he resigned on saturday he released a long statement on sunday through a pr firm uh and basically you know this whole thing was a complete mess and i wrote a column about it on monday i mean there's two issues here one to have not seen that social media activity i don't know how that happens did, did did a background check not find it it's a pretty bad background check if that happens did they see it and think people wouldn't notice or didn't care that's a pretty bad look too uh, so there's that and then the second part is hiring the son of bo schembechler someone who defended bo schembechler after a number of players said that bo knew about the sexual abuse by robert anderson uh and so this was a whole big mess that michigan didn't need to get itself into and uh He's, he's gone within a few days, and it just Michigan looks pretty terrible for the way it handled uh, all of this. And it's just kind of the latest weird little thing going on at Michigan. Yeah, and you you wrote a great column about that because I think the, the Schembechler piece, um, Michigan continuing to have the football facility named after him and not really address some of those concerns and real questions that they should face from survivors and also other people who just demand answers about, um, again, kind of the school's long-term relationship with 
putting Bo Schembechler's names and quotes all over things. Um, I think that's a really valid point. And it does feel like there's just been a string of offseason issues at Michigan. Um, you, you outlined them in your piece, but you also had an offensive coordinator fired for computer access crimes. That was not too long ago. So you've gotten a, a these are questions about maybe some about vetting, maybe some about like just knowing what people are doing, keeping tabs on people. Um, and also just sort of like general culture questions. I, I mean, I have a lot of questions about this particular hire. Like you said, did you know, did you not just check someone's Twitter and social media? I mean, like it should be the first thing that anyone would do in a background check, but also, you know, who was pushing for this hire in the first place? Um, and, and how did that get through? And why did it take like three full days for Michigan to make this one right? Just a lot just a lot and a lot of um, negative headlines for Michigan coming off another CFP appearance. So we'll, we'll see how they come out of all of this. And I think again, you know, they probably are going to be asked a lot of hard questions by local media fans, everyone who cares about the program, because it's been an embarrassing stretch here of off the field headlines. Um, let's get into number three, speaking of embarrassing and bad situations off the field. Let's go over to USC. This is a story that I think we're still learning more information about. But on Friday, athletic director Mike Bone abruptly announced his resignation effective immediately and just peeling back the curtain of like how this stuff goes down. So it was a Friday afternoon. It's the West Coast. So certainly a Friday news dump. You know, Spidey Sense starts tingling when it says, you know, effective immediately because if someone were really like, okay, I'm kind of done with college sports. I feel like, you know, I should hand this off to someone else for the big 10 move. You would just like, to me, I was, I would just say, okay, I'm going to finish out the school year or I'm going right. to uh, stay on through the end of the summer to give USC time to, to get someone else in place, et cetera, et cetera. So none of that was there. Uh, the, the athletic department did not release anything. You had to go through the university communication staff to get a statement from the president, Carol Folt, that's Which never did, a good sign. Not never a good sign. And there was also in a statement from Mike Bone to the LA Times mentioned health issues, which a lot of people latched onto as like very preemptive kind of distraction uh, that was not mentioned anywhere else. And very soon after all of this unfolded, we all become aware of the LA Times has been investigating the culture in the athletic department, um, especially around, you know, sexual comments or touching um, unwanted physical contact also, uh, you know, like basically sexually, sexual harassment and just a culture, um, that was bad. And they had hired the school had hired, um, you know, an outside firm to do an investigation. They kind of framed it as like, we're just, you know, looking at our athletic department and the lead up to the big 10 move, just kind of making sure all the ducks are in a row. But obviously it was looking at these, this types of behavior. The LA times also had stuff on the record, um, about Mike Bone's time at Cincinnati, they have stuff from a head athletic trainer that he said um, he saw Bone make unwanted physical contact with women on multiple occasions. Um, the director of business affairs of Cincinnati, again, unwanted physical contact with women, um, made women very uncomfortable. So there was this stuff is starting to trickle out. I, I know we'll have more. The LA Times will have more. 
but clearly this was not like a mutual depart departure as it was initially framed and that you know mike bone tried to jump ahead of this story to frame it as something that like it was his choice and he was just retiring from college sports yeah and and to, to pull back the curtain here nicole and i we were at lunch on friday when we get the alert on our phone and we immediately saw that and we're like all right, something's got to be going on here because he only released a statement to the LA Times. So that means the LA Times was asking about it, which means they were looking into something. And, you know, there were some reactions on Twitter who just kind of took it at face value. And obviously stuff comes out that, that more is going on. And, and this is important context as well. USC is a school that is dealing that has been dealing with a ton of scandals over the last five plus years from the school, from the athletic department, from coaches, from all kinds of things. And Carol Fult, the president has really been trying to just kind of like stop this stuff from happening. And that's one reason Clay Helton stuck around as long as he did as head coach, because it was like, Hey, at least he's running a clean program at a school that has putting out fire after fire all over the place. Just Google USC scandal and you'll find a lot of different things that have been going on at that school. So uh, that is certainly a, a context as to why this is happening. And there are questions about the fact that there were concerns at Cincinnati. What was the hiring process that brought Mike Bone to USC? And did that come up or did that not come up? Uh, once again, a question of background check work and kind of how these things work. So uh Pretty monumental move. So, uh, you know, USC, UCLA to the Big Ten, some of the biggest players in that are gone. Kevin Warren is gone. Mike Bone is gone. Uh, one of um, one of the top people in the USC football program uh, is, is gone. And the move hasn't even happened yet. So uh, pretty, big, pretty big stuff going on here. Yeah. And again, just to um, add a couple more details uh, for those who, who may want them. Again, from the LA Times, so far, Bone made inappropriate comments about physical appearance of women, female colleagues, remarks about their dress, hair, and weight that people said made them uncomfortable. Um, they feared retaliation. And three USC sources told the LA Times that several people confronted him about these comments that were inappropriate, and they continued. So not a great situation, and I am sure that we will get more information Another sign of how sudden this was, USC has not announced an interim athletic director in the meantime. Number four, a Big Ten TV contract. Uh, perhaps not as complete or as ironclad as some have thought. You and I have made a point on this podcast. Uh, yeah, I've been saying since, very, since day one that since there were issues... With the long-form contract and still a lot that needed to be done. Yeah, since Tony Petiti hired, people said, why hire a TV guy? And we said, well, the TV deal's not done, and there's still stuff to go. Well, ESPN reported uh, recently that turns out Kevin Warren may have given the 2026 Big Ten Championship game to NBC, which he was not authorized to do so. The Big Ten may owe Fox tens of millions of dollars as a result uh, it turns out the Big Ten TV situation is a little bit weird because the Big Ten network technically owns all the games and Fox is a majority owner in the Big Ten network. And so it's essentially sub-licensing the games out to NBC, to CBS, to whoever was involved in those negotiations. So that's a pretty big issue right there. Also in the ESPN story, there were coaches upset about night games. To me, that was 
not nearly on the same level of seriousness because you knew you were going to have to play night games. That's why you agreed, you know, you agreed to the TV contract that includes night games every Saturday, Uh, you know, in November when it's cold in big 10 country for a long time, the big 10 did not play night games that has started to change. Now they're going to have at least one every week. Coaches don't like it, but you kind of agree to it, but yeah, this big 10 TV situation, um, not maybe as shiny as people thought it was when it was announced, though it still is a, lot more money than almost anybody else yeah and again we've made this point from the beginning um it was one of the first things someone told me when tony was hired was you know i asked okay so you know why why do you hire someone with this background and they said that there's a lot of things that still need answers and that there's a lot of issues that need to be worked through with this contract and you know you talk to different folks at different campuses and they don't know exactly what their payout's going to be per year. Like they don't know all of these answers either. And it's been a source of frustration. So not surprised to see that the frustration boiled over. But I do think um, this is why you hire someone like Tony Petiti to to clean it all up um, and figure all of that out. As you mentioned, I, I do think the idea of subleasing, sublicensing games is is definitely a lot more complicated than it, it may be in other leagues um, and still trying to figure out exactly kind of, you know, the origin of that and structure and, and how that got set up. Um, but yes, it's, it's messy. Um, I think we knew that coaches would complain about night games. They famously complained about Friday night games when the big 10 started to move towards doing some games on non Saturdays. You also have basketball coaches deeply concerned about, playing a lot of games on Peacock, a streaming service. Like these are all going to be massive storylines as the Big Ten goes into this new world and this new era with these partners. Um, on the on the night game front, it, it's, it's definitely an interesting point because they haven't done it in a really long time. Yes, it's cold, but you also have this push and we've been covering it to winterize stadiums, upgrade stadiums, because these places like Wisconsin, Penn State, want to host playoff games, you know what? Those games are going to be in December. It's going to be colder and they're going to be games at night during the CFP era of those on-campus games. You're, you're going to run into this. We see games played in green Bay into January. Like you see all of this. So I do think it's going to be something that people are going to get used to, but yes, wrapping it back up to the top, um, the, the money involved, paying if, if there is a penalty that needs to be paid to Fox, figuring out what each school is actually going to bring in from its new contracts. These are very big deal questions. They affect obviously planning revenue spending for all of these different campuses. Um, so, you know, this is, this is a big deal. It's, it's not going away. And I, I think we'll continue to see kind of fallout on all of these fronts, but especially financially. Yeah, and one other part of the story, which was not surprising, was basketball coaches complaining about games being on Peacock in the Big Ten deal, which, again, we knew this back in whatever month that was announced, July or August. Like, it's not new, you know, <laughs> like like a lot of these details we talked about at the time. Everybody jumped on the money situation, but we were like, hey, there's like some notable stuff in this, such as a lot of basketball games on streaming. That's going to be weird. So Big Ten still has to work this out. These deals go into effect very soon like this fall. So that has been Tony Petiti's first month. One other TV note for this section, kind of a non-update, but the New York Post reported that the ESPN and the Pac-12 are not having substantive talks right now and that basically the sides remain far apart. 
you know, they've been kind of reporting that for a while. I think it's pretty clear that ESPN knows it has all the leverage in the talk with the Pac-12 and the Pac-12 has not been able to find better leverage elsewhere. That remains TBD. I think Arizona State's AD said they hope by the summer to announce. I think August. It might, it might go to August is what keeps, he's saying. Keeps getting pushed back and back and back. Not great, but Pac-12 still has some time, maybe. I mean, you've got that kind of July 1st date if you want to join the Pac-12 by the next year. Uh, but not a great sign, but also kind of a non-update as well in the Pac-12. Yeah, and, and that deadline, that June 30th deadline would be like for San Diego State, their exit fee would triple from the Mountain West if it's after that date to, to be able to join in 2024. But the Pac-12 has been adamant that they're going to do the media deal first and then expansion, which, you know, to me, if you know you want San Diego State or you know who you want, I, I would just do it before. But that is a marker. It's not a real hard deadline. Um, we'll, we'll see what happens there. And we'll see what happens with ESPN because, you know, even if you're not having, you know, if you're not engaged at the moment or, you know, kind of the ebbs and flows of a negotiation, it's your point. It's if ESPN's not really negotiating against anyone, they don't need to change what they're offering. Nope. We've reported on, you know, just maybe some rosy figures that that uh, the Pac-12 thought that they could get early on in their process. And maybe it's not realistic about what they can get from some of their partners. But we just don't know who they're going to end up partnering with until all is said and done. But ESPN does want that late night content. You also have to think about basketball games as part of that inventory uh, on the West Coast as well. We talk about the Pac-12 media deal every week. So we will certainly get into that, I'm sure, next week on Power Hour. Let's wrap up the Power 5 and then get into uh, the happy hour in just a second. Quick news update from Audrey uh, Snyder and myself uh, earlier this week. Penn State will play Michigan State on Black Friday and the game will air on NBC. So this is something that we have been able to confirm and is something to watch because the Big Ten was going to add another Black Friday game. We obviously know that they're going to play Iowa and Nebraska on that day, uh, but this is notable. It's notable again as we talk about which games NBC is going to get. And this is also a Black Friday where it's Amazon, right? Amazon is going to be broadcasting a an NFL game on Black Correct. Friday. Correct at uh, about three o'clock. But it's a early afternoon NFL game because uh, they're not allowed to broadcast at night on Black Friday. Right. So this is going to be a, a, an example of where we see that tension of college football going up against and around the NFL, and also this is a traditional college football day that the NFL is getting into as well. So outside of, you know, just what this is going to mean for those individual fan bases to have a black Friday game, not play on that Saturday of Thanksgiving weekend. It's also very interesting because of that Amazon NFL game. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the story here is that the land grant trophy is the most coveted trophy in sports and it's going to have a pretty big uh, spotlight on it on Friday night. That's true. Um, it's true. It, it will. And um, maybe we'll all get to learn a little bit more about the trophy, which has an insane history. And, and I and recommend it, yes. looking and, it up. And it got fixed. Audrey Snyder reported that uh, one of the figurines broke off last year. It has been fixed. Thank God. Uh, I mentioned I've, I've talked about it before on this pod, but the Sports Broadcasting Act of 1961. Uh, we talk about this in relevance to the playoff. The NFL can't broadcast. Uh, on Saturdays until 
uh, the third Saturday in December. Um, the, that that starts Friday nights. It's Friday night through all of Saturday. That's those are the windows that are protected for college football. So when the NFL NFL added a Black Friday game, they had to add it uh, for after, for the afternoon. Uh, so it cuts off, you know, by the time that the night window starts. So it may go up against Iowa, Nebraska, the NFL. Unless that's a noon game, which I don't know if it will be or not, but it's usually been an afternoon game. Um, and and so, yeah, now you've got two two pretty big Big Ten rivalries uh, going on Black Friday now. And, and, and it's going to be interesting again, like especially this year and next year moving on, when you've got the SEC and the Big Ten taking up all the big windows, this is another example of just – those two conferences finding another window and it's hard for the ACC, the PAC 12 or the big 12 to kind of stand out sometimes when you're going to have network television broadcasting a big 10 or ICC game. But um, yeah, black Friday, Penn state, Michigan state, uh, Michigan state fans going to have to kind of move things around because that game was scheduled for Saturday. Uh, but mixed feelings from fans on black Friday games. I, I, I know that. Yes. Uh, for those of us who are not associated with those fan bases, I do think it's fun to have more games on that day, um, especially ones that could be pretty meaningful. Like we think Penn State is is going to have a special season here. So that is something to keep an eye on. We are going to get more information, I think, over the next week or so about game times um, and scheduling stuff because the draft has taken place and we this stuff is starting to trickle out about you know, the, the broadcast plans for, for some of these big college football games. So keep an eye on all of that. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Let's move over to our happy hour segment. Chris, this is when we talk about something that is bringing us joy or something that we are excited about. This is something we have made a happy hour before (laughs) because people are very excited about the EA Sports College football game. But give us the latest update on something that brings you joy about a game that brings you joy. It's fun because it's only like a minor update, but it was a it felt like a big update to people because any update to people about the EA Sports College Football video game is massive because it means we're one step closer. And the update uh, confirmed last week by EA is that real players will be in the game for the first time ever officially. Yes, the players were in the game before. They had everything except their real names on there. But EA Sports is partnering with one team partners for group licensing. What that means is that players just have to opt into the game. And they'll receive on three reported at maybe $500 per player uh, or, or so, maybe a bit more. And if you don't opt in, you will get just a generic uh, avatar. Um, 
that doesn't mean every player is necessarily going to be in the game. All 100 and all 85 scholarship players. There's a lot of players you got to get in the game and face scanning. All of them is going to be extremely difficult and take a lot of time, but um, players are going to be in the game. Could we see star players try to hold out for more money? Um, maybe, I don't know. But like, I mean, like Barry Bonds was not in MVP baseball. He was a generic John Dowd avatar. Uh, so it, that's, it's exciting. It's not new. I mean, I wrote a big story on, on the game last fall and I, last September, I think. And I said, they're going to do group licensing. One team is one of the options. And that's, you know, that's, that's how it played out. And so, you know, this comes back to Ed O'Bannon and why the game went away. You know, him and Sam Keller and some people sued because their name, image, and likeness was used in the game without any compensation. And Ed O'Bannon didn't want the game to go away. One of the players to make money. And EA Sports said, we'll pay the players. But the NCAA wouldn't allow it. And so EA had to pull the plug. And it's been a, it's been kind of a lost decade for college football in terms of the culture because it just it wasn't there. The game is coming out next summer, by the way, for people who didn't know that. It was supposed to come out this summer. It got delayed a year. They want to do a really good job with it. Dynasty mode is going to be the focus. Um, so it's 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 all positive news here. And I don't know, depending on when you're listening to this, we may be putting together a, a story on the all-time EA Sports College football team, uh, David Oven and I. So check for, check for that. It may be out yet, may not. But that was a lot of fun to put together. It, it, it's fun to go back and do this kind of stuff. Yeah, the one thing I'll say um, is to maybe keep an eye a little bit about how much they're going to get paid like you mentioned i think a star player like this is a good example of like a just a straight up nil deal right if you want to put someone on the cover um you you pay them to use their likeness there but in terms of like what every player will get it's such an interesting dynamic because i think a lot of players will want to be in the game and they will do it and be happy for whatever you know couple hundred dollars yeah but also this is where you don't have a players association don't have a union Mm -hmm. you don't have someone negotiating to try to get the most possible money for all of the athletes to share so interesting dynamic there Uh, a little case study on how some of this stuff uh, works on behalf of a collective without having a players association so it is exciting moving forwards towards it and i think it's going to be um, really fun once it finally gets here want to move over to our on the rock segment it's time to talk it out there is some friction somewhere in this sport and we are here to help work through it this week's rocky relationship is between members of the acc and each other talked about this a little bit off the top but we're a week removed from acc spring meetings in amelia island a lot of things were said a lot of information that was relatively private boiled over and is now public about seven schools that have looked at the grant of rights, considered their options. They've had conversations together. They've had conversations in subsets of that group. Um, And we know which schools it is. And we are kind of now moving forward from that after people aired some dirty laundry, which is how some of the athletic directors referred to it last week. So now everyone needs to move on and figure out, you know, how do you work together as a league? How do you work towards, again, potential changes to the revenue distribution model as, as they're talking about like a success initiative, which is basically you eat more of what you kill. If you go further or make the playoff or go further in the NCAA tournament, you know, you get to keep more of the money instead of an equal even revenue split. So, Chris, coming out of this, I mean, what do you 
think happens next now that people kind of know where people stand? Well, yeah, to, to that point, I think it's good that this is out there and they're talking about it because then it kind of has to be addressed and we don't have to pretend, oh, we're all in it together, yada, yada, yada. You know, like Bob Bowles be saying, I don't see any realignment happening. And then like a couple weeks later, Texas and Oklahoma leaving everybody's blindsided. Nobody's going to be blindsided here. And I think that's a good thing because you can have honest conversations when that happens. Ultimately, I don't think this means much of anything. If they can get out of the deal and can go to the Big Ten or the SEC, they're going to do that, whoever that is, whether it's seven, whether it's three, whether it's two. The unequal revenue sharing is fine, but ultimately not that big of a deal. It's it's going to be a few million dollars more maybe to, to some of these schools. And it's not necessarily those sevens or so schools that are looking at getting out. Wake Forest football has been pretty good recently. Wake Forest can get a benefit from this. Duke basketball uh, gets a benefit from this. So it's not just Florida State, Miami getting more money. You actually have to earn it. So I, I think that's a good thing, but ultimately not that big of a deal. They're going to kind of just have to suck it up and deal with it. Either you can get out or you can't. And so far it doesn't look like you can. And I think there, there's a part of this, I think we're kind of, forgetting and that is the ACC schools are making more television money than the Pac-12 and the Big 12 like moving forward like the ACC is not is not in that bad of a situation relative to the other conferences the difference between the ACC and the Big 12 is that the ACC has schools that might have interest from the Big 10 and the SEC and the Big 12 does not so for as much praise as the Big 12 has gotten it's because nobody wants to take their teams anymore the ACC still has those teams same with the Pac-12 so like I don't know, in seven or eight years when these TV deals come up again, how much money is really going to be available for the Big 12 uh, by then? We're already seeing ESPN playing hardball with the Pac-12. Money is tightening, and more money is going to go to the Big 10, the SEC, and the CFP. There's going to be just less available, I think, as cable TV slowly dies. So everyone, you know, if you're Florida State, if you're Miami, you want to compete for national championships, you want to... Uh, act like you're on the same level as the SEC and stuff like that. And there's kind of no way to get out of it unless you spend a crap ton of money, most likely. And maybe they will. But it's a lot of saber rattling. It's a lot of showing, hey, you know, we want to compete at this higher level, show our fans that we're trying. But ultimately, like, I don't know. I think you'll be, uh, there's nothing you can really do about it, but that's not the end of the world. I, I, there were a couple of things that I thought were really interesting coming out of this was the more explicit acknowledgement about the ACC being right now in third place about revenue and saying Jim Phillips was pretty clear saying that there already is a revenue gap right now. And we just saw, right. Everyone put out their, their uh, tax returns for the fiscal year that ends in 2022 and so the ACC schools are making less, but they're still able to compete for national championships in, you know, the most important sports. And so I understand the anxiety and the fears about what if you make $30 million less if you're Florida State and Florida is making $30 million more than you per year over and over and over again. And that builds upon itself. What does that mean for salaries, facilities, 
uh, support for athletes. Like if you have to pay them directly, you still have money to invest in the programs and do other things with. So I, I totally understand where all that anxiety is coming from. But I do think if you can stay third in that pecking order, you're in a pretty good spot. And I think that's what, when you talk about the big 12 and talk about kind of these other leagues and the uncertainty in the pack 12 and all these things, like everyone's playing for third. And I think that it's not a bad spot. I mean, I think that there could be, you know, potentially down the road, like some sort of like conglomeration of, of, of programs that kind of create that mold. But ACC is in such a weird spot because of that long-term 20 year media deal that it's harder to, you know, kind of go down the road of some of the hypotheticals, but it's also more fascinating because like you said, these are schools that we know the big 10 and the sec would be interested in, and they might be interested in the same schools, which is something that would create a sense of urgency, but those schools have to be available. So again, until someone kind of breaks open or tries to challenge the grant of rights, like we don't even know what the total dollar figure would be for someone to actually get out of this. We know what the exit fee would be, but we don't know to buy your own media rights back. Basically, the ACC owns the rights to ACC home games. So, and the the schools in the ACC, their home games. So if Florida state were to try to leave, but the grant of rights was still in effect, they wouldn't be able to, Oh, the ACC would still own the rights to a Florida state home football game. That's where the problem is. That's the, the, the rub. So it's weird that because the ACC was so worried about, you know, Maryland leaving and defections. They, they've tried to put in this ironclad grant of rights. They sign a long-term media deal. So it's going to create frustrations about other people figuring out different revenue streams or, you know, increasing their per year payouts because they're being, they're able to renegotiate more during the span. But wouldn't it be something too, if this long-term deal and the way that it was structured in the grant of rights actually kept the ACC together because it was too hard to get out of. Like that's right. also a weird dynamic that it, could ultimately end up being in play. If not for this, the league would be breaking apart even faster than the PAC 12. Um, if you could get out of this and it's not necessarily who you'd think like North Carolina is extremely valuable. Virginia is extremely valuable. It's not just Florida state and Miami, just because they were good at football, but yeah, that's what's holding them together. And that's why I think it may not be a terrible thing. Cause if you're, not one of those top schools, you're going to do everything you can to keep it together. They're not going to vote to dissolve the league. This notion that the ACC seven or so would, would break out and make their own league was completely bizarre to me. So yeah, everyone's fighting for it. I think the biggest concern is like you said, if you have to pay players soon, you know, and the SEC and big 10 have so much more money available to do that. Perhaps that's where you fall behind very quickly. That is possible. Um, but, y- you know, I think we don't know what that future is going to be, and I understand why everybody and all the administrators are worried about it. But, like, I think the ACC is not in a horrible position just because it doesn't have enough money. Like, it, it's not crumbling like we've seen some other conferences. It's, it's, it's different in that sense. We just haven't talked – we didn't talk about the ACC, like, at all during realignment over the last few years when maybe we should, and maybe that was like not a bad thing either. I still think an ACC PAC 12 partnership would be a good idea, but doesn't appear that's happening. 
it's also part of the reason we haven't talked about it is because like you said, if like, and this is how someone in the ACC put it to me, if it were easy or simple to get out of the grant of rights, everybody would have done it by now so that they would know what their options are. And that hasn't happened. So again, until someone actually challenges it, there's just very few avenues of change here. And like ESPN has a good deal here with the ACC. Yes, that is so so important. Right. So why would they, why would they renegotiate it just to give the ACC schools more money when like they already signed contracts? So like, that's also a dynamic that comes into this too. So there's just a lot there. And, you know, again, it's, it's kind of, they're unavailable until they become available. It creates a chicken in the egg situation. Someone else brought up to me in the ACC where it's like, if, if you're Florida state or Clemson, let's use them as an example. We know there's five other schools that were, you know, looking at this stuff, but let's say it's those two. Well, you, you can't really break out of the, or challenge the grant of rights until you know, you have a landing spot somewhere. And then you can do the calculations, figure out, you know, how long it would take for you to make the money back or whatever that would be. But you also can't commit to a new league without knowing you can get out of the grant of rights. So which comes first, right? And it's, that's where it gets complicated. And again, I understand all of the anxiety that everyone is going through, but we'll have to see, we'll have to see what happens. And that to me is, would be the next great wave of realignment more so than, you know, the PAC 12 and the big 12 going, you know, kind of head to head about like Colorado and, and Arizona. Like this is where, you know, the floodgates would open, but it's also possible that you get to a place where PAC 12 does sign a media deal. It's short term. It's like four to six years and things do stabilize for a couple of years, but we, we, we don't know. And, and, you know, Max Olson and I wrote about this last week, Brett Yormark wants to expand. He's interested in it. He is vetting and exploring the idea of a number of schools, including UConn. So it's, also positive possible that this stuff never really like fully dies down but it, you know we're in this world where a lot of this stuff happens in the advance of meteorites deals so you know if you're looking at when are some of these deals coming back up when is the big tens deal next up uh the sec's deal when is that next one going to be up like that's where we saw the major movement with ou texas usc ucla it was ahead of those new meteorites deals for those leagues so who knows what's coming but I, I do think, you know, the way that I view the ACC school, schools are, there would be the two power leagues, the power two, as people have been calling them, would want some of the same schools. The fact that you'd be worried the other one would get one would create a sense of urgency, but the schools have to be available. And right now they do not appear to be available. Yes, I think that sums it up well. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, back to happier topics because I think both of ours are happy this week. It's time for the last call. Cheers or jeers. This is where we celebrate something that we haven't gotten to. It's where we rant or whatever we would be doing as we get the last call, uh, last round of drinks, and and we want to cheers to something. Uh, Chris, I will let you go first because I get to be part of your cheers, I think. My cheers is to golf. Very fun sport golf. You and I played last week in Chicago. Uh, I won by a couple of strokes, but we both played pretty well. I shot under 50. I was happy with that. We both did not putt very well. That was that was the struggle. We got to work on our putting game. But golf is a very fun activity to just go out and do if it's a beautiful day. And that same weekend, we got Michael Block with the PGA Championship, a guy who's just a club pro in California who teaches lessons at a public course, finished in the top 15 at the PGA Championship over the weekend. He hit a hole-in-one in the final round. Uh, it was very, very fun to watch that. Having fans behind him, a player like that that we have not seen in a long time. So very fun few days for golf. I know you played a couple days again after we played. And um, now I'm suddenly been, I, I got home to Texas and I'm looking up tee times and figuring out when I can get back out there. So shout out to golf. It's fun. It's a great time of year for it. Um, and it's just, it's just lovely to get out for a few days and or a few hours and uh, just, you know, have a couple high noons, wander around a golf course. It is just lovely. Shout out to the Mac for sending me two really awesome hats that I've been wearing as I've been golfing. You got the, a lot of love for those hats. The pirate flag hat is awesome. It's the, come on. Like you are no, jealous that I've I got, got the, that hat. No, I have the flag too. It's, it's literally in, in my room here. No, I've I know, the but the flag, flag hat, flag. I have the Mac flag pirate yes. flag on the hat. Like, yes. Anyway, I know a lot of people are jealous, but, um, Shout out to the Mac and Maction for making that possible. Okay, my cheers is um, is to softball. So you're cheersing to other sports today. I have been pitching in on some softball coverage. Uh, the NCAA tournament is underway. Just made it through the regional round. Super regionals coming up. Jaina and I will be at the Women's College World Series in a couple of weeks. I went last year for the final. Saw Oklahoma and Jocelyn Allo win a national title. Very exciting sport. It is so fun to watch. It's fast paced. It's great in person, but it's also great on TV. And I've been watching a lot of it. And I'll say a couple of things. So one massive upset UCLA got knocked out in the regional round. Like that's crazy news. Very, you know, Grand Canyon Liberty, like program, you know, elevating wins for, for them to knock off the Bruins who've been blue bloods in the sport. But also just like there, there were a lot of close games. There were teams that, you know, kind of forced the if necessary games on Sunday. There's some great hitting, great pitching. Uh, we're still waiting. Montana Fouts has not pitched yet for Alabama, but they made it to the Supers even so. Duke is hosting a Super Regional for the first time. Uh, had a story up on The Athletic about Duke and Clemson. They're very young programs, four and six years old, and they are mainstays in the tournament. They're hosting regionals and um, getting national seeds. And so talked about, talk to everyone involved in those about how they picked those sports, what they did to support them. And it just feels like a microcosm of this moment that like women's basketball is in and other women's sports where there's like some real business sense. If you 
get in on the ground level and can can elevate and, and support and increase the value in something. And so you see it on a campus level, but then we see it as a, a national sport too. So my point is, it's been really fun. You should watch these games. And if you go to, if you have ESPN plus, which, you know, maybe you do to watch some college football games that aren't super easily accessible. There's also a, they have a seven innings podcast feed on ESPN plus. And it's like, it's like the quad box was for March Madness, but they even put six games on at once. It was great. It was such a, a cool way to watch the softball tournament. Is that a he- hexa box? Is that what we're calling Does it? Does it have a name? I don't know. It was like, and they were moving them around. So, you know, like if someone went to like a commercial break, they took them off and then they would rotate in other games. Like it was really, it was really great. Um, ESPN owns the whole rights to the whole tournament. So like I get that they can do that, but that was really cool. So Watch it, engage with it. It's really fun. Oklahoma's going for a three-peat. We'll be shocked if anyone is able to stop them from doing it. But that team is super athletic, super great hitting, great pitching, great defense, like super entertaining. You're going to want to watch them. So go watch the softball tournament. Yeah, it's a very fun watch. I mean, if you like watching MLB baseball because the pitch clock and everything's going faster now, that's what softball's been for a while. And the environments are a lot of fun, especially in the tournament. And it's a sport that, like, Teams across the entire country are there's good teams everywhere. It's not just an SEC thing or something like that. It's every conference has some pretty good teams in there somewhere. I mean, it was I think it was Liberty that beat UCLA, right? Yeah, well, Liberty and Grand Canyon both did. Those were the yeah. two losses. So anybody can be good at softball, and uh, it's a lot of fun. So you should watch it. Yep, and we'll wrap the show up there. Two great sports, softball and golf, like. Two of my faves. Uh, go get outside. Enjoy them. Watch the games. Watch golf. Root for the unlikely heroes. Pro. What? What? Like a pro instructor. Pro. What? What? what you, club, club pro. Club pro. Club pro. Uh, you know, don't root yep. for the the pros. But yeah, that, I, I that, think, the I, line. Yeah. What was the, what was the quote? It was like, did that go in, Rory? Just yeah, he didn't. Amazing. He didn't know he hit. The, he he didn't know he hit, the, didn't know he hit the hole. Uh, the hole in one. I mean, I, I wouldn't either. Incredible. But it's a. Uh, yeah, I think he got invited to the next PGA event this weekend, I think. I think he got the club exemption or something. Basically, yeah. he got invited because he was popular, which is awesome. That's awesome. That's great. But yeah, the moment where he asked Rory, because Rory figured out sooner that it had gone in. Um, it was like celebrating it and just the, Rory, did, did you, that go in? Do, do you think you'll ever hit a, a, hole, in, a hole in one? Me? There were a couple, no. there were a couple of par threes on the course we played that you play a no. lot. No, no, no. No, we're still working towards my first ever birdie. So that's the goal for this summer and to eventually break 100. So we'll I'll, I'll work on that. I'll get there first and then we can talk about a hole in one. Uh, on that note, though, we will wrap up this edition of Power Hour. Uh, it is and always will be a blast. So we will be back next week for Chris Vanini. I'm Nicole Auerbach. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.